Welcome to the Clam Bake! How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam I'm Angela Gullner. I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists. Yeah, we do. Each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Because being a human is tough. Being a feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each other. Welcome to the clam bake. How's your clam jamming? Oh, my clam exercised for the first time this calendar year, and I am hurting. Oh, both your, both your knees work? Congratulations. <laughs> Damn it! I'm a bitch. <laughs> Lindsay's still hobbling, but still she's, hobbling. She's getting hobbling around, well. Getting around just fine. Finally, yeah. meet my surgeon tomorrow. I hope it's true love. Oh, you guys are gonna hit it off. I'm You're so excited. Get married. And He's have young. Babies with bad knees. He's young. He has two offices. He's really fucking got it going on. Wow, <laughs> great! I'm all in. He has excellent Yelp reviews. Ah, oh, what a dreamboat! Great. Yeah. So anyway, that's how my clams doing. Can't wait to meet my surgeon. Awesome. Break, breaking a lot of rules this this week. I feel like I got really big clams. Oh yeah, <laughs> big clams, big, big clams. clams. Great. Yeah, that's, that's how an, my clams doing. It's an image. I just <laughs> I just jumped in there before you asked me. Yeah, you fully did, but that's great because I'm just a little bit out of it today. But I also never sit in this seat. I know it's weird to be it looking over weird. my left shoulder at you. I know. Anyway, changing it up. Change is good. <laughs> Change is good. So good. We have an amazing guest today. Oh, we just. I mean, the reason we're sitting here is, it is. is here. They, yeah. We're like the dark underbelly of the podcast booth, and they let us stay here, which is so nice. <laughs> oh. And the there's lots of changes. This is now the lactating room. Well, wait a second. Anyone, we got to back up. Anyone listening is going to have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we're here with Jen Curran. Yay! Woo! Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Thomas. my God. Thanks for being thanks. here. And, and <laughs> thank you for being here. Jen is the founder of our very own Ruby Theater. That's yes. right. Yes. yes. And but a little background on Jen before we like get into what okay. the Ruby is and all those things. But we now record in the Ruby so we should say that so that everything makes sense. <laughs> so we're recording in the Ruby right now. But it's now. the same physical space we've always recorded in. Remember, Clams, how we used to talk about the Nerdist? Yeah. The Nerdist is now the, the Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. It's very, very clamtastic. It is super <laughs> clamtastic. But Jen, in addition to founding the Ruby, is a comedian, actor, writer, member of Harvard sailing team, might have seen them on the internet much super viral sketch team um the award and it's award-winning as well award-winning sketch group she's performed improv and sketch comedy at theaters colleges and black boxes and universities and festivals and concert halls and weird bars around the whole country uh, <laughs> really my dream come true yeah. this is an old bio i can tell yeah. <laughs> 
And she co-hosts um, a couple storytelling shows here at the Ruby, and she's got a husband and two cats and a dog. And you tell us what we missed. Yes. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> what a great intro. Um, it's funny. That is the bio that was on my uh, Nerdist School teacher page. And when we started doing the Ruby, I was like, I have. this is two years old. I have to change this. I can't be in charge of this <laughs> improv theater um, with that as the bio. So uh, I've taken out the bars and black boxes because oh, that's just okay. it's almost, implicit, right? It's implicit. Yeah. 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 I'm a comedian. Right. right. Um, but since I moved to L.A., I've been here for about five years, and I've gotten to do some great projects that are sort of along the lines of um, body image and weight stuff. Yeah. So I've written some articles that have been published online, which is so great. And I also worked with uh, Fusion and Big Beach TV on this um, documentary that I developed. We didn't end up putting it into production, but it was basically, it was called FAT and it was about being fat in America. So that's some of the stuff I've done since I wrote that bio. Um, cool. yeah. I want to talk to you all about that stuff yeah. at some point. It's a theme that kind of keeps coming up on our podcast. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a big theme these days. Yep. Thank yeah. God. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Have you seen, what is it called? Fatitude? Fatitude? No. I just started following it on Instagram. It's yeah. excellent. Is it, it is excellent. Yeah. It, it, um, Clams, if you missed last week when we talked with um, Amy Spaulding um, about fat women in the media was part of what we talked about. Um, and I still feel uncomfortable every time we talked about the word fat. Yeah. And it makes me uncomfortable to say it. Sure. And But, you know, that we should face our discomforts. Yes. Um, but it's because society is so fat phobic. And I just... This documentary just really opened my eyes up to the ways in which not only, like, culture and the media, that stuff is pretty obvious, but, like, the medical profession. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I had no—and my, oh, my mom is a diabetes educator. I really want her to eventually see this film because I'd be so curious her take on it all because, like— I've, you know, all the messaging we get is that fat is so negative and mm -hmm. dangerous and this and that. And mm -hmm. this documentary was kind of like mind-blowing and like, actually, guys, it's not. No, yeah. it's not. It's not going to kill you. It's not that bad for you. And it's yeah. so, I feel like ingrained in all of us, like, I, I don't know, the food pyramid, all that shit. Like yeah. when we were growing up, it, it it blew my mind. I know. It's incredible. A lot of the documentary that we were developing was about that stuff, basically. BMI that everyone's so focused right. on was uh, actually a calculation invented by an insurance company. It's, it's not even yeah. real. That's exactly what I was going to say. Science. <laughs> so it's incredible because literal doctors are pointing at that fucking chart. And, you know, I mean, not to mention all the unbelievable things they'll say to you in the doctor's office. But there's this other ele element of it, too, which is that it's social. Right. So I started to develop this thing. I, I lost 100 pounds on Weight Watchers when I was in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. 100 fucking pounds. And I, when I moved to L.A., I started to gain weight, mm -hmm. which is fine. I don't give a fuck. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I started to notice that there were so many people online – friends of mine talking about their diet and their exercise. And I started to almost feel like it was a glimpse into their sex life or something. It was too intimate. Yeah. Like, I don't – I can't read what you're – Eating. Eating. Or I, not eating. Not eating. Usually. I can't read about the miles you ran. Like I can't – it's almost disgusting to me that you want to tell this to – strangers yeah. because it's very private you know yeah. and it's the idea that oh we could all just eat this and work out this way and be the same it's simply not true and I find you know developing the documentary and we can obviously move on from this but I found that um, one of the things I really started to realize in doing all this research about it and talking to people and etc and etc was um, <laughs> that 
I think there's such fat phobia that there's a piousness in working out and exercising. Yeah, oh, definitely. Right, yeah. That is basically my rabbit's foot, my lucky rabbit's foot. That will never be me. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? So yeah. we look at fat people and we're like, oh, God. And then we go to the gym. And it's like you're just wishing a prayer mm-hmm. that that's not going to be you someday. Mm-hmm. And it's just not how it works. So it's yeah. it's an unbelievably complicated issue. And when I was working on the documentary, it was 2015, I want to say. So it was just before the election. Uh, early two, 2016 too and we didn't end up doing it they wanted to do more uh, political type stuff right. but it's crazy in the last two years since um, that that was the case all of this media about being fat has come out all of this stuff obviously Lindy West a huge yeah. uh, vocal person in yes. regards to this and A.D. Bryant success yep, all yep, that kind yep. of thing so there's so much out there and I'm so thrilled that that is finally a conversation yeah. Yeah. and that you can like go on Instagram and not only see thin people Right, yeah. it's really important you know that representation of just needing to see a fat woman in a bikini is huge so important yeah 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 I feel like the industry of Los Angeles aside from entertainment is literally food and health like Mm -hmm. like people don't realize like I work at a food startup right now so I talk to people about food and their food philosophy all day right now which is like um, I wish it was my passion, but it's really not. And yeah. I and I like feel almost the same way you do now too. I, like whenever I'm gonna get on a phone call with a vegan, I just have to kind of like take a breath and be like, okay, you're just gonna listen on this phone call. Right. Or like, there's also a lot of people we work with, and like God bless them because I do believe like food does in a way have the power to heal certain things yeah. and I also like really love tea and I like. But know that has nothing to do with shape, it. right? It doesn't. It nothing. doesn't. But these people, exactly what you're saying, it is their religion. Yep. And if you don't agree with them, you just like, it's, yeah. it's almost hard to have a productive conversation yeah. about food, period. Yeah. And it's fascinating yeah. you think because about, they're why pro- you think about Because they're also profiting off whatever they're spouting. Right. So they have to spout it like it is their religion. It's the cure. It's yes. the magical pill. Yes. And you think about why would you spout something like it's your religion? Well, because you're afraid you're going to go to hell. You're afraid yeah. you're going to get fat. You're afraid you're going to fucking get fat. So it's like, of course you're going to only be working out. It's like, what's the fucking alternative? Right, right. And people who have experienced weight issues in their life know that it's like, it's okay if I'm fat. I feel the same. Right. You know? I was with a bunch of friends the other day, and their conversations about diet and exercise were kind of like the main focus, and I was – thinking, wow, I'm so busy right now. I would – I'm not even thinking about – go focusing on not eating grains or whatever and that was a big thing of the documentary too it was a feminist perspective of basically like this is how we keep women down we give us a focus and you know 60 percent of women in america are quote unquote overweight which just means 160 pounds or more right Mm -hmm. which is like everyone Yeah. yeah and think of all those women who aren't the three of us sitting in a podcast booth but are living in the midwest right right their whole cycle is focused on that I'm fat, I'm not good enough, I'm going to eat this. And the whole terrible thing, they're looking at Instagram, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, think of if you had all that energy to go save the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the planet would be different. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of crazy. It's so true. I could talk, I mean, I could, I could talk about this all day. It's so fascinating and infuriating. And that idea that it keeps us silent is so true. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. P.S. No offense to vegans. I respect. Yeah. <laughs> there exactly. are a lot of amazing <laughs> vegans. There are, I think, I think, you know, especially vegans who do it for very ethical purposes. Yeah, totally. Who care yeah. about the planet. And Rachel Krantz, yes. who we had on, who is a vegan because she believes that all bodies should have autonomy. Right. And she doesn't want to take autonomy over a cow's body, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not doing it because she wants her shape to be smaller because this or because that. Because it's I, a great diet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there are also people who have like very severe food allergies totally. that are real. Totally. Of course. Totally. That are real. And there's a lot that are fake and there's a lot that are eating disorders. Right, exactly. And it becomes really hard to start differentiating. And it's like whenever like the majority of your mind gets hijacked by something like that it's just it's unbelievable i mean i'm sure we've all had that experience where you're so fixated you need to fit into xyz you want to get to this weight Mm -hmm. you know it's just like and even now where i try to be really conscious about not letting it define me it's still really hard oh yeah you know if i feel bloated one day or if i know i haven't worked out a lot or i've been eating bad i'll just like look in the mirror yeah it's really awful yeah 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 Yeah. Fuck the patriarchy. <sighs> Speaking the of, are you a feminist? Patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, what if you'd have just been like, no. <laughs> no. Have you ever had someone say no? Yes. Well, not quite. Like, not quite. They're like, I don't know if I can own that word. And then also men are really sensitive to using the word right now. So some men we've had on. We've had like full on, I'm one of my favorite episodes with my cousin, Nick. We started the podcast. He's like, I'm not a feminist and I can't call myself that. And we ended the podcast and he was like, I'm a feminist. Yeah. It was great. That's great. Fantastic. That's excellent. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't have said that I was 10 years ago. I'm 30. Yeah. I'm 37. And it was not something you said 10 years ago. Certain people did. Sure. You couldn't really say it mainstream. Yeah. And have people be cool with it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I, I think in, most women my age would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was in such like selfish college bubble then that I didn't I, – well, I guess I would started taking a women's studies class, but I didn't – Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't I, like conversing in like a cultural space yet, no, right? No, me not at all. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say I, I lived here 10 years ago and was starting out trying to be in the business and um, was just finishing film school and I was going to say – Particularly, I don't think you could call yourself that in the context of the business 10 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. That was basically like (laughs) Margaret Cho and um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? I think Sarah Silverman called herself feminist really early on. Right. Yeah. 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 But not many people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Yes. I I came up in New York for, I went to college and that was all my comedy training was in New York. And you absolutely could not say that there, not in the comedy world. It was too dude. Focus. Mm-hmm. Right. There was. It was like, what the fuck does that mean? Why don't you burn your bra? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I've told this story before. Like the first place that I did improv here, somebody full on confronted me, and they were like, "Are you here to do improv, or are you here to get laid? Like, are you here for the men, or are you here for the comedy?" And it was a woman who confronted me. Oh my! We're God. still we're still great friends, wow. but this is just like how different everything yes. was. She straight up like pulled me over in the bar. She's like, "What are you here for, men or comedy?" Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was and really fascinating. Wow. Do you, have you ever talked to her about why she asked you that? Man, I should have her on this podcast because she's like really in the podcasting world uh now as well and um like i would love to reflect because we both spent so much time at io here um because it's the first place that was around when we moved here and i think we like 
both loved it and like I also like witnessed its fall and witnessed the best and the worst of that place. So it would be really interesting to have her on and talk yeah, about it. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy those experiences you have with women and men, but of course with women who, when you're younger and feminism is not the subject of the day, and it's like you realize those misogynistic moments you had where yeah. you said something awful to each other, or you were hurtful in some jealous or competitive way, or not supportive, and it's like wild now. To, you know, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, my friends were all like in our mid to late thirties and. All, Apologies. It's like I just remembered the other night at time at a bar. I want to say sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Really. yeah, yeah. Things have really changed. And yeah. it, thank God. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I also have like very specific memories of talking, you know, about the men that we thought would be good to befriend versus what? the men that were not good like to befriend. Like men that would be safe and not yeah, predators. Yeah, totally. Like the ones that we were like, we want to be involved in comedy with these people, not these people. So those discussions were like very early on, which right. is interesting. That's but, interesting, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, tell us about your new theater, The Ruby. Ooh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So and if you have a mission statement, we'd love to hear. My God, it's so long, the mission statement. <laughs> I was just looking at it on the way here and I was like, can I memorize all this? Um, so I'm this is co-founded, actually, with my myself, Lindsay Barrow, and Randy Thompson, um, b- both community members and people who are on the staff here when I took over. Um, so when Nerdist School was still a thing, I took over kind of co-running it with Ptolemy. Um, and we had some other staff members and people who moved on, and things were really not in a great space. But so we decided it was time to really shake things up. And so I brought Lindsay and Randy on and we started pretty early on working on the idea of pivoting to be a feminist inclusive theater. But we thought we were going to have to bring Nerdist and Legendary along with us come up with the way to convince them that that was the best thing to do and convince them that we could change the name and all this kind of thing. And luckily, sort of as that path was going, we had a big conversation with them where they were letting us know that they were trying to move on from some of their assets in town. They closed down that nerd melt space and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so we sort of like a wish and a prayer said, can we still do this? Can we go ahead with this rebrand? We had been loosely pitching the idea of a rebrand to them, but we hadn't said the name. We hadn't been explicit. And they said, yes. They said, wow. you can do that. We're, we'll you know, sign the lease over to you. You wow. can have it. Which was just – we did a podcast of our own this morning. We were ta- reflecting on how unbelievable that is, and I still yeah. can't – I remember the night we got the phone call that that might be the direction things were going, and we started to say, like, so we could just do that. We don't have to pass that. Nobody has to sign off on the name. Like, no one has to agree to the logo. What are you saying? And yeah. it was almost too good to be true for those same reasons from 10 yeah, years ago. totally. Where it's like, that's not going to fucking happen. Yeah. Right. There's no world where we get to do this thing we've dreamed of doing. But that is exactly what happened, and I still kind of can't believe it. It's such a testament to it being 2018 and – the people at Nerdist and Legendary have been very supportive of it and like tweeting positive stuff to help us sort of like get on the map a little bit and just really being generous of spirit about it, which is amazing. So we are co-founders and co-owners and we, yeah, we're doing this thing. And the idea is basically that, you know, all these theaters that we've all been a part of, I came up in New York through the pit, uh, performed at the UCB a bunch, but my, the theater where I taught and took classes was at the pit. Um, and obviously, Lindsay and Randy both have spent time here in L.A. at other theaters. And the thing that we kept hearing from other people and coming back to and reading on the private boards on the Internet and all that good stuff was that we really need a space that is run by women and people of color that is not these straight white guys. Yeah. And, you know, some of those nails in the coffin for me were, you know, the um, Molly Coddling 
tech tweet, you know, which a lot of people may not know in the podcast world. There was a sort of higher up straight white dude in the improv world who basically said, we're not holding anybody's hand. This is hard. you got to get in or, you know, put up or shut up, basically. And that's just not, that's not the, reality. the deal anymore. Yeah. You know, we are holding people's hands. Yeah. Uh, we all had our hands held because it's hard to be women. It's hard to be people of color. And we can turn around and offer that to somebody else. Yeah. I've come across this idea of female leadership and how that can and should look different. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the woman who I think ran Hillary, one of the women who ran Hillary Clinton's campaign, wrote a book. Uh, I think it was called Dear Madam President. I'm not sure. It came out very recently. And it was basically her writing to the future female presidents of the world and sort of saying the lessons they took from the Hillary campaign uh, to these women in the future and saying that um, – is that what it's called, Dear Madam President? Um, I was just writing Dear Madam oh, President okay. down. But let me Google it because I have my computer here. Why not? Uh, and she was sort of saying – and I don't know if I agree with this or not. It was her perspective and I think it's valuable to hear from her. She was saying that they realized halfway through the campaign that they ran Hillary as a man. Mm. Basically everything that a man would be except in a skirt. Yeah. Um, as all the, the male energies that you would want a leader to have, all that stuff. Right. And her perspective was female leadership can look different. It right. doesn't have to be a woman in a pantsuit. Yeah. Um, and that really – really opened up a thing in my mind because what we're doing here is really through instinct and impulse as nurturers, as people who have been oppressed and have had a difficult time doing this. Mm -hmm. What would we want? What does that look like? And I think it looks different than male leadership. I think there's, there is some handholding. I think there is some, you know, we're not going to throw people away. There is a sense of like, Everyone is welcome, and we can help you figure out what that looks like for you. And maybe the first or third go round was not the time, and maybe it is now. Whoa. So it's a <sighs> it's a different animal. Did you see the video that just went viral of the woman who worked on Obama's staff? I wish I could remember her no. position. Who talked about that? It is okay to cry as a female leader, and like the importance yes. or male leader, the importance of allowing ourselves to experience and show emotion is yeah. valuable. Yeah, yeah. This woman who had written this book said that. You know, it's only been, what, 50, 60 years that women have been in the workplace. Right. Of course, the workplace is designed for men's comfort. Right. That's been the case for thousands of years. Right. So it's going to take time for the workplace to feel comfortable for women. And yeah. men aren't looking out for it. You right. know, So right. it's going to be up to us to make it comfortable. And that's a lot of what this is for us, is how can we start to make it comfortable for women to walk in the front door of a comedy theater, for people of color to walk in the front door. So that's why we made this podcast booth into like a lactation and nursing room. I love it. Yeah, it's like that. Don't you want to feel that if you're a yeah, mom or yeah. a dad who needs to feed a baby or nurse or pump or any of that, you know? Well, it's interesting. Our friend Amy, who we've had on this podcast, has was just emailing us. She wants to do a stand-up show, and she has a one-year-old. Oh. And she's, like, trying to figure out, like, can you come so you can hold him? I personally love the image of her holding her baby. Yes. Doing oh, that's so cool. But, yeah. but I was like, well, and this would be perfect. Totally. Like, and we've been encouraging. Like, she wants us to come with her, which we totally will eventually because we like to do open mics, too. And we yeah. want to hold her baby because he's the he's freaking really best. <laughs> but we've also been trying to be like, you should fucking go and hold your baby on stage. Yeah. You should do it. Mm-hmm. You, it's gonna make you look like such a fucking badass. Your, like your jokes are gonna be rad. I just saw this woman who just did Conan. I wish I could remember her name. And she's super pregnant. She just wow. had her Conan spot like this last week. Amazing. And like 
her first joke is, I don't know if I want to have kids. And she delivers it so dry and she's so big about to pop. And it is fucking genius. That's so great. It's so funny. Um, That's so great. And it's like, yeah, the more we put these images out there, the more it becomes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy for, I mean, it makes sense. And I don't want to put down men, but it makes sense that if you have a market cornered, you're going to unconsciously work to keep other people out of it. Yeah. So it's easy. It's easy for you to rip apart women, to rip apart, oh, you're pregnant, you know, you have a baby, you need to breastfeed, or you're black. It's very easy. You're you're not white. It's very easy to rip that apart. Right. And I'm not saying that's people's systematic plan, but... But it happens because of, yeah. it's almost it's it takes a shit ton of energy to make it not happen. Exactly, it takes making a real change, you yeah. know, and putting your voice out there. And you know, that's what's scary. Obviously, like I was saying, ten years ago, I wouldn't have called myself a feminist. I wouldn't have done anything like this ten years ago. Right, it would seem like a joke mm-hmm. to even dare to do something like this. So, you know, I think that's also part of why we did this is because it's like it feels for the first time ever like it's not dangerous and yeah. like it's not putting a target on our back that we're going to get more support and positivity and people interested than when we, than we are going to get detractors. And we've certainly had, you know, a few detractors, but that's going to happen and right. I think 10 years ago it would have been brutal. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so mission statement. Cool. What is our mission yeah. statement? You heard it. You get the idea. Yeah, yeah, totally. We're intersectional. We're feminist. We're inclusive. And the goal is to lift up and represent underrepresented voices. Cool. Yeah, in any way awesome. we can. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I'm going along with that. Like, why do you think it took us so long to get to this moment? Is this the first female-run comedy theater in L.A.? Well, I know that the UCB currently has a female artistic director. Um, I think in the past, some of these theaters have probably, you could have find a time when it's all Mm -hmm. female-run. So we didn't want to necessarily say, no one has ever done this before, because we don't know if people have attempted to do something like this privately behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing that's different is we're saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, this is the point, this is the goal, we're not trying away from it. We're mm-hmm. not afraid of it. There will never be straight white men running this place. That's not the point. Um, but I don't know. I honestly don't know if there are theaters who are run by only women or not. And we do have a, a man. We have a black man who's a co-founder with us. So yeah. 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 That's right. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Um, so if you want me to ask this yeah, one, you, I will. Asked, you wrote this one. Yeah. You're going to say it better than me. Okay. So, uh, if you've been in the comedy scene in LA for any time at all, like, you know, a lot of people have been revealed to be serial sexual harassers who've been in positions of power. And along with the Me Too movement, a lot of this was like exposed in the last year. So, do you think like this is the perfect storm for stuff like this? Is this just the beginning kind of thing? You mean, is all this coming out? coming out because it's a perfect storm time or is it just the beginning of all this stuff coming out? Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I don't think it's just the beginning. I think there's been a pretty incredible groundswell of who is a predator or a harasser and who is not. Mm -hmm. I do think it's just the beginning in the sense that it won't ever stop. There will always be one or 40 that you can catch. Yeah. Um, How I wouldn't be surprised if they get better at it. 
Oh, that's a dark thought I yeah. haven't had yet. Yeah. Because mm. if you're one of these guys, you're not going to be like, yeah, I better cut this out. Right. You're going to find somewhere else to go do it. Yeah. And you also don't believe that it's wrong. Right. You know, I've interacted with some of these dudes and I don't get the sense. I talk to my husband about this a lot. Where are you putting that you've done this to women when you text us congratulations? Yeah. Uh, and he said they're just compartmentalizing it. They don't even the – te- the person who texts congratulations on your new feminist theater is not the same person who's a rapist in his, in his own mind, <sighs> you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I do think it's just the beginning of us experiencing what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing insane has happened yet. There haven't been some huge, you know, someone's getting dragged out and going to prison, some huge lawsuit, some huge thing where we're starting to reflect on is this good, is this bad? So far, it's only been positive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what is going to happen next with it. It does feel like, you know, the Harvey Weinstein thing was so unbelievable to me because I can't understand why him and why now. Why this, you know? Right. I guess it was such a deep, dark scandal. You know, mm-hmm. the Woody Allen stuff had, well, maybe, well, what, whatever, dot, 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 enough that you couldn't, you know, yeah. d- a discerning yeah. asshole dude could not agree to it. And they took it. him to trial. So exactly. It's yeah. like, that's why I feel like that whole thing gets so gray because yeah. people who love him are like, well, he already has been on trial, yeah. basically. And even Bill Cosby, same yeah. type of thing. There's just not enough... But the Harvey Weinstein thing was at an incredible time, and it did feel like this was all swelling up, Yeah, you know, in a real fever pitch right around then. But I've only lived here for about five years, so I wasn't – and I was not at I.O., so Mm -hmm. I was not in part of or, like, privy to a lot of the takedown that happened there, thank God, Mm -hmm. meaning thank God there was a takedown, not thank God I wasn't privy to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank God that I didn't really – thank God that that has all happened, and I unfortunately was not – really don't know about a lot of that. So my own experience with this stuff has only started to be um, learning about women talking to each other and starting to get a sense of who is banned from these theaters, basically. And then as I started to be a leader here, realizing we need to keep our own list and make sure that we're updated on who's not welcome. And, you know, we've had a couple incidents here that we've had to really take seriously. Yeah. So now that you're in this position, what is what is that like? And what are some of the I'm I'm sure you'll continue the po- process of reviewing policies as things yes. move on. And hopefully there won't be many incidents here because of the nature of the space makes yeah. it safe. Yeah. <laughs> but how, can you tell us a little bit about that and yeah. what that's like for you? Yes. It's so scary. It's, uh, but I feel grateful to, to have the privilege to get to help people in this way. Um, I feel a strength and resolve about all of this that I don't know where I'm getting it from. Mm-hmm. And it feels like if that's how I feel, then this is what I need to keep doing mm-hmm. um, because it's not wearing me down to a nub. Yeah. Um, although there are days when it feels like, wow. Um, and some of the – we haven't really had like a incident recently, but when we have had issues that have come up, it's really emotionally taxing for the people dealing with it, especially if you're a woman, because it's so triggering. You just, you know, cycle through the 59 things that happen on the way to the meeting, you Mm -hmm. know, and all the stuff you've shoved back down in your mind. And also knowing people and knowing a man who is capable of doing this and not recognizing that in him, you know, Mm -hmm. you regret your own lack of judge of character, that type of thing. Yeah. But what we were really 
what we really insisted on doing right away, and Legendary and Nerdist actually helped us do this, which was so cool, was putting policies into place um, that were probably not being – it's not that they weren't being enforced. They just weren't being communicated to people. Sure. So we had a sexual harassment and anti-bullying policy, but who knows where you could find it, you right. know? And so it started and yours to become, is right up on that wall. Yes, it's one of the yeah. first things I noticed as yeah. soon as it was the ruby. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Amazing. Safe and it's space. like a pretty sign. And it's yeah. like, yeah. 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 So that was actually womeninincomedy.org asked uh, all the theaters in town to sign a petition and put up a zero tolerance policy poster. And we were like, of course, we'll do that. That was when we were the Nerdist School. So we've just revamped the sign to be our own branding as the Ruby now. But yeah, we were just like, you know, this can't happen here. We can't point fingers at other theaters who aren't taking serious action on anything. Just because we're smaller and we have a little bit more of eyes on what's going on, it doesn't mean we can't, we shouldn't have policies in place. So when we were still the Nerdist School, we got really serious about the policy and made sure we put it on the website and sent it out to everybody. We had a house team meeting where we talked explicitly about it. And then we've put up these signs around here that say zero tolerance and all that stuff. We also have a anonymous safe reporting form online mm-hmm. uh, and then places on our policy where you can email or get in touch with people. But the safe reporting form is if you don't want to email directly, sure. you want to be anonymous, that type of thing. Excuse me. Um, We've also put in um, sort of team liaisons, basically, who are not us as a staff, but people just under us who are on teams and can be that voice for somebody if they're like, I don't know who to talk to. I mm. don't wanna, really want to talk to the staff or one of these situations happened with a staff member. Mm-hmm. So we've basically just tried to do as much as we can to give people a sense that you can talk to us. You can come to us. Please report this stuff. Um, and something that we've discovered here that is very important is that when there is a sense that something is off, it usually means that more is to come mm-hmm. if we don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that we have experienced here, that was the case. Hmm. Not that it could have been stopped, not that there's a victim to blame or that it could have been stopped if the victim came forward early on, mm-hmm. but that we should all listen to that tiny voice and tell somebody, I didn't like this glance, I didn't like this feeling. Yeah. Because those are. That's information, you know? And if you have 40 of those on one guy, that's all you need. You don't need something serious to have happened to be like, you're not welcome here anymore. So that's something we're trying to change too is just basically empower people to notice when it's just not good enough. Yeah. 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 Comedy is such a a touchy space too because, you know, especially in classes, you were – trying things and it's vulnerable and it's exposing and that's got to be such a challenging line to find for you know not to be like whoa whoa are white men right but like but like you know just thinking about it or like i can see myself fucking up sometimes too especially like in a scene Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just an interesting time we just we all really got to be on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, you know, five, ten years ago, you could make certain jokes on yeah. stage. And I think the white guy feeling is I either, A, I'm not funny without my shitty jokes, or B, I've never had to think beyond this. Yeah. yeah. So we as women have had to figure out how to be in spaces that we're not welcome in from day one. Right. Yeah. So it's an unpleasant concept for a straight white guy to be like, what do you mean I can't say X, Y, Z? Right. Yeah. Um, but I think most of them will tend to come around about it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, for many years, you know, if you like look at the history of comedy too, there's guys like Lenny Bruce that are like, 
I am purpose. I'm going to say things that I'm not supposed to say to make a political statement. And then privileged white men will reference like, well, it's not comedy if there's limits and it's censorship if I can't say anything. Right. um, yeah, but you yeah. got to be really smart to pull that shit off, totally. guys. Come yeah. on. Yeah. It better exactly. be a really fucking good show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was watching uh, the new stand-up special on Netflix the other night. You know how they're putting out those with like 20 or 30 minutes? Oh, my God. There's so many. S- they're great. I, ju- I was going to say I just watched Judd Apatow's. Oh, yeah. And I did laugh a lot and I did enjoy it. And he's very self-deprecating, but he did a lot of comedy about his daughter, Maud, who is not very old and I can imagine in a very sensitive space. Yeah. And he talked about her body and he talked about her Instagram presence. And yep. I was like, I was laughing because there's truth in comedy. You you tell jokes about what you know. And right. he's a brilliant joke teller. But also my heart was hurting for Maude all at once. I was like, she's got to be pissed. Yeah, no kidding. I had the same thoughts. Yeah. Like I was yeah. like fascinated. I was like, she's got to be really fucking mad at her dad yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's so interesting. Like, he saw this fucking daughter out for his comedy I special. Know. I know. Really you have to did. wonder if, she, if yeah. she heard it ahead of time or what yeah. she, you know. I know. I hope and he even got if he her asks approval. her, it's like she's a kid. What yeah. she, of course she's going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. say, you know, whatever she says. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but the, um, you know how they're doing the ones that are not the person's individual special? The whole thing is just called the stand-ups or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's episodes for different, yeah. like up-and-comers that we would know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw Kyle Canane's and I thought he did such a nice job. You know, he's a white dude. He could obviously like... Um, court a conservative crowd yeah. with the, his energy and the type of person he is. I could imagine him being able to come up with jokes that are not progressive. Yeah. Um, and I thought he did such a nice job because there was another comic in that same set, another straight white dude who I did not think uh, hit the mark in a good way. Just felt off to me. It felt like I don't trust you. I don't like some of these mm-hmm. perspectives. And, you know, it is hard to be a comic because are you – is that your life story? You're up there saying, I thought this at the sandwich shop and, like, maybe you've never even been to that sandwich shop. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not a narrative necessarily. Right. But I thought Kyle Kinane was doing a really nice job of saying uh, – he was doing some KKK jokes that were really funny and anti-KKK, obviously. But he said something about how – um they must get stains on themselves or something about the white sheets. And he did such a nice job of setting it up in a way so that you couldn't feel at all like he was on their team or apologizing yeah. for them or seeing it from their perspective. He literally laid it out like, this is disgusting and I would never blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's all it takes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just yeah. put it in some perspective for us. Right. So a 14-year-old kid is not being like, dad, guess what I heard? Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to think of your comedy is yeah. if you have a 15-year-old kid in the audience, are they understanding that satire? Or are they leaving and going like, hey, so-and-so at school, like, listen to this, and they don't get that it's comedy. Right, right, right. I mean, I think we can all do satire that a 15-year-old can get. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be uh, so far above everybody's heads that people are like, is that racist? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those days are over. Yeah. 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 And and good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so your group is male dominated. Yes. Harvard sailing it's, team. I, it's not it's actually. Not. Yeah. Okay, There's that's four right. women, four men. Oh my gosh. Was that intentional when you formed no, the group? No, we okay. started this thing in 2004. 
four, so nothing cool. was intentional. Yeah. Um, but there were originally <gasps> five women and four men, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we That's used to, amazing. We used to be like, why is no one writing an article that we have a female-dominated comedy group? Yeah. 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 Um, but one of the women has moved on from the entertainment industry. She lives back home. Um, but yeah, we're four and four, which is great. But I do agree there is a male domination energy mm-hmm. um, for sure. I don't know if they would agree if they heard this. They're not going to listen to this. <laughs> Come on, guys, listen. Come on, guys. Harvard Sailing Team, get on the feminist <laughs> podcast game. Come on. I love that it's Harvard. To tell anyone, did you guys go to Harvard? No, no, no. no. Nope. That's even better. Yep. Yeah, it's great. So good. Yeah. It was a very 2004 choice. Great. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. So how do you guys try and balance the the voices in the group? It is a challenge, I will say that. Um, I think that we, like I said, have been doing this for many years um so we've been performers together and friends for you know over a decade and are you guys are you an improv troupe are you sketch comedy just sketch or you comedy little sketch comedy sketch comedy cool. yeah exactly so we were all actors we went to nyu together and we started doing sketch comedy after school um it was a cheap way to get on stage and have to buy the rights to anything um we got some stage time at the pit who at the time was kind of just giving away stage time can't remember if we were getting paid for it oh. or not. I'm sorry, my alarm and it really scared me. Way, way too extreme a reaction. <sighs> okay. um, that's all right. So I think we were getting paid. I'm not sure if we were, but there was some incentive for us to keep doing it there. They kept inviting us back. And we sort of ended up in the comedy scene without really planning to be. We were just actors. And as that time has passed, we, you know, have been dear friends forever. Two of the people in the group are married. They were in a relationship when the group started. Um, you know, we're all we've all been in each other's weddings mm-hmm. and that type of thing. We're mm-hmm. very close. Uh, we celebrated our ten year reunion a couple Aww. years ago with a <laughs> Melissa Etheridge concert. <laughs> oh That's my amazing. god! Yeah, yes. Um, but it is always in the time that we started, the world was as it is today, male dominated. And uh, the two guys who sort of founded it are buddies from Long Island, like best friends from Long Island. And they would not want me to say that they're not feminists. uh, But back in the day, they were probably not Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. feminist as I would have needed them to be. (laughs) Right. Um, But that doesn't mean we had like a lot of strife, but it was difficult to be yourself in a big group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And in retrospect, that's because a big group of people had a male energy to it. Mm -hmm. And like me as a fat lady, that's not like a welcome thing. I'm also like intense. I can be bitchy. So I would get a lot of that. I, I was the bitch. I you was the... very warm to me. Oh, well, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's a reaction to be <laughs> called a bitch my whole life. Um, but so I was getting a lot of that. And we were all kind of typecast mm-hmm. uh, as women are, right? Mm-hmm. There's the little sister and there's mm-hmm. the like intellectual. There's sure. the hot one. Mm-hmm. There's me. And I so... still feel like SNL casts that way. Oh, of course. After all this time. Yes. They're like, we need the black guy. We need the... And thank God they're like, opening it up we maybe one day there will be more Asians but they're like yeah we need the the fat one we need the fat yeah. funny one we need this XYZ and it's like they just check the boxes for a year for, for like since they've been in existence it's incredible yeah. right yeah. it's crazy yeah so yeah <laughs> but I, they have a million white guys that all look kind of the same they, yeah. still especially right now like I get I really like confused it. I'm like wait wait there's Your faces three are the guys. Same. There are three guys look the that same. look so much the same right now. I cannot tell them apart. <laughs> no, I can't yeah, either. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. They're not funny. They're not funny. <laughs> They're not. It's like, how are you getting in there? <laughs> Except I do like when the two guys who look exactly alike play the Trump brothers. They do that well. Oh, that's funny. They do do that well. Yeah. 
I have got to give him props there, but I legit could not. I tell better you be which funnier one if which. one of the white ladies played a Trump brother. Of course, make exactly. Kate McKinnon play anything, and yeah. it will be funnier. Yeah, period. Oh my God, she's the greatest. She's yes. the greatest of all time. Yeah, it's like insane. Yeah. <laughs> But it is for sure hard to be in a big group of people um, where half of them are men. You know, it's just really challenging. Yeah. I think if we started today, it would be a whole different animal. Yeah. Um, but it's it can be really tough. And we've had arguments and fights over the years and big conversations and that type of thing. And Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel like you've evolved a lot and, like, now the perspective is different from when you started? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We do a lot of co- of sketches that we've done for years. We, we have, like, a bunch of evergreen stuff, and we don't um, weirdly write most of it down. It's sort of all just, like, a oral mm-hmm. history. <laughs> yeah. And we play different. Cool. It is cool. We yeah. play different parts because not everyone's all Always there, and so we all kind of know most of these sketches. And as you and we write new stuff too, but we'll always grab from the old bag. Um, and we realize some of that is not politically correct. You can't say a lot of the stuff we were making yeah. fun of back in the day, right. and we weren't even really doing edgy stuff. Right. But yeah. there's just certain things that are not welcome on a comedy stage anymore. And I do think we've evolved. When I told them all we're rebranding as a feminist theater, mm-hmm. it was probably the most nervous I was to tell anybody because they're like my siblings, you know, yeah. and it's people that you have seen you since you were a kid and you want them to be impressed and proud of you. Um, and they were all really great and supportive about it. There were definitely like from the dudes a couple questions like, I was like, it's, you know, it's hard to say it's feminist. And they're like, why? <laughs> you know, like that type of stuff. But they're sweet and they're really supportive. And they're, the thing I love about them is they're all really eager to learn. So that's yeah, great. Yeah. One of the guys is gay. So that makes it easy because yeah, he's yeah. an ally for sure. Um, but yeah, it can be really challenging. And I say um, to Lindsay, my co-founder, all the time that it's probably the space that I am the least able to be my feminist self in because it's an old space. It's a space mm-hmm. from when I was... 20 years old. Sure, you know? sure. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's hard. It's hard. And you know the way it is with long-term friends. You have old stuff that you'll never unpack or uh, absolutely. moments that are hurtful and new moments that are wonderful and where you've really reconnected. And yeah. So, yeah, it's just like family almost. Yeah, that's yeah. complicated and very complicated. Cool <laughs> Not and to all put sorts you of it. Totally, totally on the spot. Please do. But I love it. If we it. were going to play an older Harvard Sailing Team video and a newer to see how you guys have evolved, which videos would you want to Play. Well, our old one that is so uh, sexist is, <laughs> called, is called Boys Will Be Girls. And this is actually the one that put us on the viral map for YouTube. Is your little nippy kid? Red 57! Omaha, Omaha, St. Louis Blue on two. Hut hike! Yes! Nice. Yo, I'm gonna make you my daughter. Take you to school, put you on the bus. Whatever. Guys, thank you so much for coming over and helping me build Bixby's Facebook profile page. Of course. I just, I, I guess I've been really sad lately because I've been thinking about how I broke up with the R word. Brianna. Rebecca. Rebecca is the one. Two days ago, Billy. That's what he was talking about. And anyway, I'm just glad that I have my besties here. (laughs) Chris. And we're so glad to be here to support Bixby and his Facebook page debut. Hello! Hello! I see you on the screen! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, Clayton, didn't Poops have a Facebook page? MySpace. Very active on MySpace. You know, I'm sure that God takes pictures of Poops and puts them on his Facebook page for angels to see. Um, there's one where Billy and Adam are going to a christening. That's about them trying to get dressed for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Okay, cool. I love it. A christening. Christening outfit. Christening. Hmm. I'll just ask Rebecca. No, Adam, we're grown men. We can dress ourselves. Yeah? Yeah, I might just wear this. Well, I don't know what you wear to a christening, but I know that's what you wear to a pickup game. Where do christenings fall on the scale? I think it's like uh, anniversary party, bar mitzvah, wedding, presidential inauguration, meeting the Queen of England, marrying the Queen of England. Bring it lower. College graduation, high school graduation, pre-K graduation, PTA meeting, sitting at home in your sweats waiting for Postmates, cousin's quinceanera, dad's 50th, so we want to live right there in between quinceanera and dad's 50th. So, something like this? Uh, maybe? Let's see. Yeah, maybe. Ooh, almost. Not quite. Damn. Nope. You know, there's a mnemonic device for this. You're right. You're like, um, party indoor like your best, party outdoor much, much less. Weddings bring your shoes and socks, birthdays bring a pair of docks. Dockers. Doctors. Exactly. Right. Bat mitzvah's bow tie is a must, bar mitzvah khakis caked in dust. Oh, I always heard that for mitzvah's ladies dress in junk, fellas wear some swimming trunks. Oh, must be a regional thing. I know that Easter calls for suede and silk, Pesach beige is almond, almond milk. milk. New Year's Eve brings some shoes to dance, and New Year's Day, no underpants. Or old underpants, right. right. And then no white after Labor Day, all white on Give Labor Day. But what about christenings? Yeah. When going to a christening, wear a hat that's glistening? A hat that's glistening? Yeah, I think it was a glistening hat. That sounds familiar. It kind of glistened, I think. I Maybe I saw something sort of... Wait a minute. We just made that up. Um, so how how can people in the Los Angeles area get involved with the Ruby? Great question. So one of the things that's really important to me and to us is that we don't make it impossible to get involved because it used to be that you just had to take a $400 class to get involved on any level. So we're doing a bunch of things. Obviously, we have an internship program. Um, we're really eager for people to pitch shows, but also to pitch us classes if people have an expertise in something or you have teaching experience. Um, I would love workshop and class pitches. We have our own big roster of stuff that we're planning, but you know, people who are excited to teach something uh, tend to attract students. And right. we want this to be for us and by us, not us top down trying to decide what LA wants. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's one way. Um, I mentioned internships. We also have a jam. Um, and then we have two scholarships coming up this year. We're, uh, we have an inclusion program, and I believe there will be two versions of that, two times you can apply for that scholarship this year, um, in the summer and in the winter. And then we also have a women's scholarship that just came to us by way of one of our, our community members, Nikki Giselle. And uh, this is a scholarship that will just be for women. And that, I don't know exactly the date on that yet, probably fall, summer, fall. We'll see what happens. Um, but those are two things that people can apply for. Obviously, there's not a ton of, um, you know, only a handful of people get those scholarships. Sure. There's not a ton of opportunity there. But something else we're going to start doing pretty soon is, um, and I'm really excited about this, we're going to do an improv fast track where you can basically do levels one through three in one class mm, so cool. that when you're done with it, you can get to level four. We only have four levels total, and then you can get on a house team right. ostensibly. Um so that'll just be the cost of one class and something that we're going to hopefully be able to offer to people who have some improv training so you can just fast track through the program. Mm -hmm. um, we have sketch writing as well. So there's going to be an intro to sketch class that's less money and less of a time commitment than the regular sketch writing class, which is a full eight-week course. Mm -hmm. um, so the intro class will just be to give you a sense of how to get started, basically, and that'll be a little less money and a little less time. And then the last cool thing that I'm excited about is we're going to start doing panels, some free panels, cool. one that we're planning 
planning right now is um, pitching to networks, I think it is, for women, which will be a really great, exciting class. Yeah. And other workshops and classes, one-off, one-day type of things that will either be you know low cost because it's one day or a free panel. Um, sometimes we'll do events where it's a workshop and we'll – take a much smaller amount of a class fee and then give it to charity, that type of thing. And those will hopefully be the type of thing that people want and need mm -hmm. workshops in, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to do like a mock writer's room soon. Uh, this woman, Carolee Burke, who's a great teacher at Second City and at I.O., uh, may they rest in in West West yeah. West uh, Coast Peace, <laughs> but um, she's going to teach a mock writers room day for us wow, and that type of cool. stuff. So it'll be those will be lesser entry points financially, mm -hmm. and then of course you can come see shows, all that good, stuff. all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah, but awesome. we're going to keep working on that on that idea of it shouldn't be a four hundred dollar yeah. ticket to get in here because yeah. that's honestly why it has been a straight white man's game yeah. is because it's too expensive. Yeah, so it's very expensive. Yeah, it's become unattainably expensive exactly. since I started, yeah. Well, and you know, the whole, I've realized this too in Los Angeles, it almost seems like some young wh white boys will move here just to do an improv program mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, and think that that's a career yeah. in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And make no mistake, you doing improv at a improv school is not a career in this business. No. It's a hobby. Yeah. You know, you're paying somebody else. Yeah. So there's still a lack of legitimacy to just doing your improv constantly. Yeah. Right. And we want to start to like elevate some of what goes on in these theaters. So it's not just improv and sketch and then it stops there, yeah. you know, because it seems like some of that stuff is changing. And those aren't the classes I am interested in taking anymore. Right. right. You know, so I think a lot of people feel that way. And it's just insane that it's been such a, you know, trust fund supported hobby, basically, right. that right. parents can just write checks. And I know. I know that's not happening for everyone. I know some people do internships and work yeah. their asses off to make totally. it happen. Mm -hmm. But it's obviously, you know, not accessible to everyone. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So exciting time. I know. That's so awesome. Do you, since you have spent your time in the black boxes, in the bars, in the colleges, yeah. do you have any advice for anybody who isn't doing the programs and is coming out here and doing the alt comedy scene and going to the open mics and going to the black boxes with like whatever team they put together and just doing it that way? Do you have any survival tips for people who are doing that? Yes. Great yeah. question. Um, it's so hard. And I think there's a sense that if you put in two to three years of that, something should happen. It takes five times as long. Um, and I know that's terrible to say. And I can be on the other side of 10 years of this and be like, yeah, it takes 10 years. Um, sometimes it takes 10 years to get a meeting, yeah. you know? So be prepared for this being a fucking slog, for mm -hmm. one thing. <laughs> it's not overnight. It's not one general meeting at Comedy Central that's going to get you there. <laughs> it's the whole ball game, yeah. you know? So that's one big thing is don't feel that because you're putting your time in that it's building up a bank. Right. Uh, you could put your time into the wrong place for 10 years and have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. you put your time in, in an improv theater for 10 years and have nothing to show for it. Um, but I think, too, something that's really important is deciding what it is that you want, what's the dream, and you don't have to get there immediately, but are, is what you're doing right now feeding toward that? So you doing this open mic with this group or on your own, is that a cog in the wheel to the dream someday, right? Um, I think that's an important thing to constantly be aware of because there's a lot of FOMO mm -hmm. that goes on. There's a lot of uh, – my friend always says eyes on your own paper. Yeah. There's a lot of glancing around, Instagram, let's see what you're up to. 
who books that show? Why wasn't I there? Right. And that is just so diminishing mm-hmm. to yeah. do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, they say in therapy, compare and despair. Yes. You I've know? heard that twice this week. Yeah, it was on My Favorite Murder. It was. She said it. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's like a big therapy term. You know, yes. that idea that if you compare, you will automatically feel shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Compare and despair. Yeah. I want to tattoo that on my I know. Hand. Yeah. So I think that's really important is just eyes on your own paper, which can be so, it's such an oxymoron because this is yeah. a social business. Yeah. yeah. You have to make connections. You have to be social. But if you're coming out here and you're not going to get involved in an improv program, which is probably an okay thing at this point, Mm -hmm. I think the more you can make relationships um, and have them feel like friendships, but you can keep in your mind that it's work. I don't like to socialize and go to people's shows and network. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to work tonight, yeah. which is to go watch your show yeah. and shake hands afterwards, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the way that you get stuff done in this business. And I did not really know that. It took me a long time to recognize totally. that. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really just about staying um, focused and making sure you're making connections and commitments. And, you know, there is such a huge um, – The thing I keep finding is that people who work hard, do what they say they're going to do, help other people out, and are not cynical tend to find one another. It doesn't mean that you can't fail upward if you're a shitty person, Mm -hmm. but time and again, the people who will work are the people who – and I'm sure you've both experienced this. Mm -hmm. The people who will work are the people who are the hardest workers, the kindest, the best at being on time, at being thoughtful, at Mm -hmm. going above and beyond, Mm -hmm. you know? I had to have a conversation not that long ago with a a guy who was working with me, and I had to say, you know, imagine there's a list on the wall of standards for the workplace. Go beyond it, (laughs) you know? And that shouldn't be something that you have to teach people, but it is sometimes, I think. So totally. I can't remember the where I why I started saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It was all good. Yeah. Great. That's great advice. It was all good. Yeah, totally. Great. Do you have any yeah. I was just thinking of this too, like, and this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but for the straight white men out yeah. there who I hope are listening. Yes. I hope you're listening. I think some of you are. Yeah, some of them totally are. Hey um, guys. Hey what, guys. What, what are some <laughs> quick just quick, easy no-nos in a comedy class? Ooh, great question. Yeah. I just had a guy tell me today that he stopped using the word bitch. Oh, oh cool. praise. Let's stop. Cool. Right? Let's stop. We can say it. Don't you say it. Yeah. You know? I feel the same way about cunt. Too. Yes, exactly. And you know who yeah. uses that word? Who? <laughs> no. I had to say it off the mic. <laughs> You'll never know. Well, now I have to have a talk. <laughs> In the country of New Zealand, they just use it as like a expression. It doesn't right, like but mean, oh, mean like damn it or something. Yeah. yeah. They but, use that word all the time. It's mm. crazy. You're like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're not Australian and right. a dude, if New you're Zealand. an Australian or New Zealand, yeah. If you're an American dude, don't yeah. say it. Yeah. My husband lately says he's he's such a great feminist and he's really supportive. And anytime I try to correct him on something, he's pretty receptive to it. But he said um, he likes to say, oh, good for her, which drives me <laughs> fucking nuts. It's a little pat on the head. Yeah. yeah. And it, he will say it about men sometimes, but will he? I don't yeah. know. You know? Yeah. But yeah, in a comedy class, don't call women bitches. Another thing I think is um, let's not roll our eyes at the female experience. So you don't roll your eyes when your buddy uh, – 
crashes on a ski slope and comes home and says, oh, it's so fucking crazy. Just imagine she's that, right? Yeah. Let's not diminish other people's experiences. Right. It doesn't need to be uh, someone who looks like you for you to be like, yeah, that's what happened. You yeah. Know? yeah. And we all have experiences of empathizing with people who have crazy stories or have intense things happen to them. Just decide to do that for everyone. You know, don't bring yourself into an environment where your goal is to be like, nah, that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, men are very logical, typically. I don't want to stereotype, but typically their brains are logical. And I think typically, and women can be logical, too, but I think typically men like the improv thing because it feels like a great puzzle or a computer code that you can unlock. Right. And it's not. It's comedy, just like all other comedy. Right. It's complicated. It's hard. There is no system right. to ensure that you're going to get there. There's no game you can play to make sure that you're doing a perfect improv scene. And I think if you come in as a man humbled to the notion that art is greater than you are mm-hmm. and that comedy has been around for 50 billion years, yeah. um, maybe you could be a student of it rather than a teacher of it. Right. Right? right. Maybe you could humble yourself to imagine that you're in medical school and that on day five you haven't learned all there is to learn. Right. Yeah. My favorite thing oh, is like um, imagine where the scene would go if because in improv the first thing is like getting out the who, what, and where, mm. and men will typically appoint you as a mother or a girlfriend. So it's like imagine the possibilities of that scene if you don't automatically make a woman your mother or your girlfriend. Exactly. Yeah. I have a I'm a big proponent lately of playing your own gender on stage, if only because wouldn't it be cool to see a CEO who's a woman, a sports fan who's a woman, right? Uh, you know a, a, sh- a bakery owner who's a man right can't we explore all of the levels of it you know um and i want to go back to your question about open mics um obviously they're and this is still happening you're gonna get guys up there who do unbelievably disgusting stuff who have rape jokes who have really inappropriate comments and i think there's even some incredible sexism that can happen when you're on stage you can get hecklers who are you know ripping you apart as a woman i think that this is happening still i'll see occasional you know i I don't do stand-up myself but i'll see occasional posts from people who are like this happened last night whatever i don't know what to say about that i have personally developed probably a dangerous thick skin to it where i get really confrontational and aggressive a version of myself i would never have been 10 years ago Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's safe or right i'd never want to give anybody advice to get angry and get crazy but i think every one of us has to decide if we're not going to let it victimize us anymore how do we fight back mm-hmm. in that moment? And yeah. not everyone is equipped to, which I completely understand. Yeah. But think about for yourself what you would want to tell your daughter. Right. You know, mm-hmm. go in there and do what. Right. Um, and I'll see sometimes people post stuff where it's like, oh, this happened and I put, you know, I leaned in and he kissed my cheek and it felt inappropriate and I didn't know what to say. And I hear that, you know, that, yeah. that there's there's a flight or fri- flight or fright. What is it? Flight yeah. or <laughs> fight or flight or freeze. There are three. Or freeze or appease. Oh. There's another one. Yes. yes. So I know we all have a tendency yes. to do that. Yeah. But let us try to, when we're not in the moment, decide what the version of taking your power right back immediately looks like. Doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it in that moment. And you shouldn't have to. Right. But, you know, yeah. here we are. Yeah. So I, I do I do a crazy road raging where I get really aggressive with men particularly and my husband is like you're I wish you wouldn't do this yeah and I see why he doesn't want me to but I say to him 
I want them to feel a little bit of the level of fear and panic and um, diminishment that I feel when they treat me that way. Yeah. I don't like do anything crazy with my car, but I'll pull up and I'll do kissy face and I'll yeah. make like sexual gestures because yeah. I want you to feel freaked the fuck out, Yeah, right? which is yeah. how I feel, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've started doing that way too much where I'll like follow somebody down the street and confront them further. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna die one day from doing that. Oh God! But I, I, I just can't really worried stop for you. myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I do know that there's certain situations where that's not the right thing to do. I think my brain can be like, "Not now. This is not good." Right. But overall, I've almost turned a corner on the. I'm yeah. not saying anything. I'm swallowing it. Yeah. yeah. To like, I'm fucking coming at you with teeth. Like, yeah. I, I, I could take three punches before I go down. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. That's there's how a, I feel. There's about a great it. episode of Love where Paul Russ loses his shit and like cutting somebody down in road rage. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's a straight white man, but still. It's a great episode. Yeah. But the craziest shit has happened to me in my car in Los Angeles. People have pulled up and given like blowjob signs to me and like held up signs. Like LA is like one crazy wow. place for road rage. I have yeah. not yet taken out a breast, but it will be the next time. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready for it. I, I can't. Even, it. I've been so close to it and I'm not wearing the right shirt. That's amazing. I want you bad. Yeah. I'm nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, it's not nuts because you've been put in this crazy making situation so many times yeah. that yeah. you can only withstand so much before you blow. <laughs> Exactly. And I just feel like in this city, our emotions get the most heightened in our cars because we're in our cars a lot. Like yeah. I, I like the stereotypical moment of like crying in your car. We've just all been there just mm-hmm. so many times in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, final question for yeah. our, our amazing guest: Where do you see the ruby in five years or even ten years? I would love for this to be the type of vibrant thrilling theater that when you walk through the front door it just feels like a great space to be and the shows that are on stage are women and people of color I would love for that to be the entire teaching staff um, and for our classes to really represent a lot of that philosophy and those visions of just basically being a feminist inclusive intersectional theater Um, but I would really love for it to feel like it's cooking you know like uh, the times that you've really been in love with the theater that you are a part of right Mm -hmm. it almost feels like you walk I think I've said this before in another podcast but you walk through the front door um, sometimes at theaters like that or you see the team that you love at those theaters and it feels like the colors are brighter like the stage just comes alive like something is alive in there and we're building toward that it doesn't quite feel like that to me yet but that's what I want it to feel like where you could just come in here any night of the week and it's going to be you know the 2018 version of Sarah Silverman when she was a young lady uh, am I saying that these days young lady <laughs> when she was a gal when she was, <laughs> when she was a young clam <laughs> just thing. Yeah. blossoming from the ocean um but you know just to support those types of people and to be able to give a leg up for yeah everyone basically i would love for it to feel like oh yeah you can go there any night of the week and it's a hot show and and for it to not be diminished at all because we're not straight white guys which we all know is possible (laughs) absolutely for it to be our content and our dreams and visions of what's you know the stories we want to tell that are featured so we'll get there It'll yes. take time. What a dream. Well, in the meantime, come see a show. Yes. yes LA. You're in the LA area or even if you're just visiting, this is the hot spot. Yes. Come see a show. Yeah. Well, we're so grateful for all of the work you're doing and we're so grateful for this space. We're really grateful for this space. It's cha- for, it's legit changed our lives. Yeah. So. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. That means so much to me. Yeah. But you really were has. coming here when it was the Nerdist. So but what now feels yeah. different? I mean, actually, it does feel. It different. does feel different. How crazy! It really, it really does. does. It does to us. It but really it's does. Different. Yeah. Also, people used to be really mad at us when we walked through the room, and they're not anymore. <laughs> I know that's <laughs> true. 
Oh, <laughs> seriously. God. See, I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but now no one's mad. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. They're like, hey. Yeah. 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 It's so easy. I Leadership think it made is made me nicer. Top down. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I used to come in with like like a, a bit of a guard because I'm like, oh, they're going to be mad that we're podcasting. Big, 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 crazy. <laughs> right. And now I'm like, oh, there's a class going on. And they're just like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, that makes me really happy to hear. Yeah, that. yeah. And the walls are pink, and there's a goddamn uh, lactated room. If you need and there to are take t- your tampons, yeah, there's a fuck ton of tampons. There's like ton of tampons. Take some home. Primo actually, choices of tampons. I have to tampons. use one tonight, and I don't have one in my purse. So I thought of See? that driving here. I was like, <gasps> I have to stop and get tampons, and I was like. No, no I, don't, I don't because the ruby has them. That's right. We have ibuprofen too, girl. Shoot. Oh god, you just made what my night telling a me that. Goddamn dream. <laughs> yes. Well, if you ever have any ideas or something comes up in here that you're like, "Oh, it would be cool to have this or that." Yeah. Let yeah. us know. Oh my god, amazing. If you guys want to get involved in any other ways, please, yes. I would love to hear a class that you want to teach, anything yes. like that. Yeah, I'd amazing. love that. Oh my god, amazing. Ugh. Well, this has Thank been you. this has been a clamtastic experience. Yes. Thank you, you I delightful feel, clams. Uh, I feel very clam happy. <laughs> clam. I see what it is. Happy. It's puns with clam, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. so many. Okay, it's, that's it's like, one joke. Yeah. We have one clam night, everyone. Yeah. One yeah. trick pony. Yeah. We actually do want to do a clam jam festival. Fun. Maybe he, maybe here. Fun. We're eventually good. We're talking. We're moving towards the live show. We're moving towards very it. cool. Yeah. You guys would be great doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're thinking about it. We just like gotta raise money to have a clam costume. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the first. That's the biggest <laughs> priority. The main goal. <laughs> You'll need a full Kickstarter. Yeah, for that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. You're, You're so great so together. Yeah. yeah, clams. Thanks for thanks listening. Thanks for listening. As always, follow us at Welcome to the Clam Bake. On Instagram, Twitter at ClamBakePod, and our hotline is yeah six five seven two four three three seven eight nine. We're gonna play some voicemails soon. Six five seven two four three three seven eight nine. What? Yeah. So cool. Um, and if you're interested in being a clambassador, email us at welcome to the clambakepodcast at gmail.com. You will get a trucker hat you may have seen on our social yeah. media. Which we have one for you, and yes. I forgot it at home. Oh, no problem. <laughs> but I, I will see you around like, a lot. I need yeah. to go get one, so great. Yeah. yeah. And thanks as always to Campfire Media, our producer, Ryan Counthouse, and our producer, Scott Feed. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And please, if you could leave us a review, that's yeah. how we grow. It takes two minutes. Go to the iTunes. No, it takes 30 review. seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> Boom, clams. We Boom. love you. Okay, bye. Ne- Till next time. Bye. How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and Welcoming you to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Okay, Miral, go. Do you like hiking? Sure do. Do you like juicing? Hell no. Do you like getting your butthole steamed? Sounds great. Then this is the podcast for you. My name is Nick. I'm Muriel. And we are the hosts of Hella in, in Your, your 30s. 30s, a podcast about one couple's guide to conquering the dirty 30s. That's right. We drop episodes every Monday, so check us out wherever you get your podcast. Why? Because you are Hella, Hella in, in Your 30s. Your 30s. Campfire.